Your story is waiting for you today. Your story has something new to say. But your story will only come out to play when you're alone. Alone. Alone in a room with invisible people. The following episode may contain swearing. Alone in a Room with Invisible People is brought to you by hollyswritingclasses.com. If you find value in what we do and you'd like to support the podcast, go to coffee.com. That's K-O hyphen fi.com forward slash alone or you can go to alone with invisible people.com forward slash support us to find out more thank you hi this is rebecca gallardo the host of alone in a room with invisible people i'm here today with author and teacher holly lyle and today's topic is how to include culture in your flash fiction um and this flash fiction is for this episode and the next episode that we're doing it we're defining it as um holly's course and how that teaches flash fiction i understand that there is no one hard rule on a word count with flash fiction that you know some of them go up to a thousand and that's fine when we talk about it um it is a finished flash fiction piece is 500 words or less and that is you know, just we're trying to help you guys figure out ways to add culture into the flash fiction for the Halloween stories and just in general, too. Right. Right. Well, it's it's very easy to get to go big with culture and to build lots and lots of culture. And it's a little bit tougher to make sure that you have included culture in something small. But once you yeah. learn how to do it in something small, you have superpowers for adding it in for something bigger. Yeah, uh, but at the same time, you know not to to info dump. Yes. Y- you know, I mean, sometimes in rough draft, because first draft is always, you know, you're free to be shit in first draft, you might info dump. But when you're going through in revision, you're going to remember the lessons and... and you know, cut some of that back. Um, but before we get into the topic today, let's talk about what we did this week, Holly. Um, I got over the week 20 finished pages of first draft of Ohio novel number two, um, about which I did the happy dance man because it, it started clicking for me. I had one day that was kind of rocky, but then the other four days, it was just beautiful. And that's roughly Um, about 5,000 words, right? Yes. Yes. So um, actually, I think it was more than that because I've been writing about 2,000 words a day. So it's been about twice that. I've been writing about 2,000 words per day. Okay, because you said 20 pages, 20 finished pages, and usually a page is 250 words, right? Uh Yeah, actually. Um, I might have come in with a little bit more than 20 pages because I was watching word counts. Okay. Yeah, well, you've never said pages before, so I just thought yeah. that was so weird. <laughs> so it's probably more like 40 pages. Yeah. Yeah, because I've I've just been watching word counts, and, and why I thought of it in pages, I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and aside from that, um, I also managed to do a little bit of stuff in the, in the community for once. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been kind of absent for a while, but I'm trying to, to spend a little bit more time going back. So overall, um, pretty good week. Well, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the writing first draft, I can't wait to get back to it because there's just, there's, there's nothing that compares to me. 
writing first yeah. drafts, you know. Yes. Um, for me, my week consisted of creating a mailing list, creating a form for the mailing list, <laughs> creating, um, finding the freebie for folks who, you know, are going to join the mailing list either before or after my book comes out on the first. Mm-hmm. Um, also trying to revamp the website because the website I haven't touched in years it was mostly about art the book it was talking about was glass house oh and, wow yeah and I still have to go through and fix glass house and that is going to be killer edits I mean <laughs> especially considering the fact that they mentioned the Fulton Hills um, paranormal society and all of the characters well the characters at this point have changed quite a bit in their personalities and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is so different that it's oh, to tie them together is going to be some work, but it's it's okay. You might want to consider untying them even. No. No? Okay. No, that it is very it's it is integral. <laughs> as you pronounce it that I need to remember how to pronounce it since I'm not British. Um <laughs> to both stories that they both exist basically. And in the same togetherness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because the the, the story that you came up with for that is just so good. Yeah. The Glass and House Kef or oh, Fulton yeah. House. I yeah. It's a lot of story. fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're yeah. both so good. But yeah, the Glass House one. Oh, wow. I love that thing. Oh. And you didn't even, you haven't even read that one yet. Because mm -mm, it's not revised. You just talked about your ideas and, yeah. and discussed it and, you know, we bounced things back and forth. And no, I can't wait yeah. to read it. Yeah, you were very helpful with that one. Um, but yeah, so that was my my week for the most part was just the business end of things. I have been reading now Amazon Decoded because I finished the Amazon, uh, how to ma like something like Mastering Amazon Descriptions, I think, by Brian Meeks. So mm -hmm. that one was done. That was um, something that I had mentioned on the podcast last time and that you had uh, recommended to me. So if anybody is, is trying to figure out writing blurbs, that might be a good book for you guys. Amazon Decoded is about the algorithms, right? That's oh, it's about yeah. how to work with them. Yeah. How so, to, how to get found. <laughs> yeah. So Amazon Decoded is what I'm going through now. And it's very eye-opening, especially considering the fact that I have been looking at all of these other quote reputable sources about the Amazon algorithms but this guy has a lot of the stuff to back it up so yes. if if you really want to take a look at <laughs> self-publishing and figuring out the algorithms at least right now this book is current and this book is is very detailed and he has has the stuff to back up what he's saying yeah, um, his name is is I'm, I apologize if I pronounce this. It's either David Gogren or David Gogren. Gogren is how everybody else seems to pronounce him. Because okay. I had never heard that name before. I, I started reading it, and then as I'm going through other things, I'm seeing like, oh, David Gogren gave this guy shit, or or David Gogren is, you know, says this, and he's on some podcasts uh, or at least mentioned of him, and I was like, wow, okay. This, this guy's a big deal then. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sorry, I don't I don't know a lot of this stuff. I'm only just now getting into the to the kind of business behind the writing because I've been so focused on improving my fiction writing skills. Yeah. 
because I had a lot to learn. (laughs) I still have a lot to learn. That's that is a perfectly reasonable thing. Make sure that you know how to do the writing first before you start looking at marketing the writing. Because if you're marketing bad writing, you're just going to screw yourself up. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and you know, I, I didn't yeah. have bad writing, but I had, no, I had not deep work. <laughs> I, a lot of my stuff was um, just not as deep as it could be. And my thing in my head was always that it was mostly because of the style of romances I was writing. But it's not fair but it's not fair to that genre because if you look at a lot of romances that are bigger, that are not part of these, these um, ty- like the, the lines and stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of them are very good and very deep. Oh, um, yeah. The ones that are seem to be more prolific and out there can be kind of one-dimensional, you know? But... Mm-hmm. In writing Leaving Wanda Lucia, I felt there was some depth there. There was there was a decent amount of good stuff in it. But I, I realized, yeah, my heart just is not in this stuff anymore. Yeah. So learning how to be a better writer was mostly for Fulton Hills because I could not I could not get to that point without continuously trying. And sometimes failing, most of the time failing, and then getting better. <laughs> Well, the other thing about waiting for marketing, waiting is, is that it changes. Yep. So you don't want to really go deep into the marketing until you have the book you actually want to put out and market. Yep. That's exactly the reason why I, because when I was writing under different pen names, I was looking at a few things here and there, but they were short stories and they weren't a big deal. Mm-hmm. And then as I'm focusing on books... I put the marketing aside because <laughs> look at the way that, that like YouTube algorithms change every six months or every year or right. the Amazon has a bestseller that, that goes just crazy nuts and then things change because of it. It's, it's just, it's pointless to try to study marketing as something to try to get your, your plan in place until you have something to market. I can understand wanting to know the basics and how to learn how how to be able to plan for what you might have to do in the future. Right. There, there are some, you know, universal basics, I think, um, good title, good cover, um, you know, making, making your, your name or your pseudonym pronounceable. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, just basic things. But when you start digging into, the specifics of, of how to understand how you might have a chance to actually be a first-time novelist and grow an audience from that first book, yeah, that shit changes. Yeah, the best way to, to get noticed just by just by sales alone <clears throat> and this and that. So we're, we're, I will digress because um, we are going a little off topic. Not yes. that that is a new thing for us. But... What um, I plan on doing is just sharing with you guys what I am using during the time that I'm putting ahead. Like, I've already got the cover done, unless the title changes, but I've already got the cover done. I've got the copy done, and now I'm studying this other stuff. So next week I will 
tell you guys what I am doing next because this is a part of everything that I know folks were very, very interested in is, is okay, well, how do you actually do this stuff? Um, and if another writer has told us how to do something, I'm not going to blab everything about what he said on a podcast. I'm going to recommend his, his books. Yes. Yes. Cause you can never be complete enough in a podcast. Even and... if you could, even if, even Wait. if you told every single part of it, well, that's not cool because this dude worked really hard on his book and helping yeah. other people and you he should deserves the bucks. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to know the, the method, then go support another author even if it is nonfiction and you're a fiction writer, what does that matter? Right. Um, so yeah, let's get into today's topic, which is culture in flash fiction. So um, Holly has a couple of stories to share. I have one, but you guys will have to forgive me. It is a rough draft and it is a little bit more than slightly over 500 words. <laughs> and this is with me trying desperately to cut it cut it down a little bit you know like 15 minutes before the podcast so yeah, just forgive me it's it's a bit over but yeah so Holly. okay all right so first of all let's look at what culture is um when you are just let's just look at culture generally in fiction first off okay what is culture in fiction well very briefly it's the expectations of behavior held by your main group of characters and how these expectations conflict with your antagonist group. Okay, now that's that's kind of a fussy definition and it doesn't have a lot to do with um, building the religions or building, um, you know, all of the different things that you go in deep when you're building a novel. Um, that you know, Like you build languages and you build... Um, these different groups of people that have different ways of interacting with each other and you you create all of these little linguistic cues and you do just all of this amazing fun stuff you don't get to do that if you've only got 500 words yeah and so you have to think you can still do all of the work behind the scenes Absolutely, (laughs) you can, but you can't use much of it. Yeah. So what you are looking at when you are looking at culture with only 500 words to play with is what does this one group of people want? How is it different from what this other group of people wants? Or what is this behavioral expectation you have for this one group? And how is it different from this behavioral expectation that you have from this other group? And I'm going to give you some demonstrations of this. So, you know, we will go through a story and then I'll show you what I mean by this. But um, it's very, very small stuff. And what you're doing is you're going to use this versus statement um, to create your conflict, conflict. And with that said, because that is really kind of boring. <laughs> um, it's not that boring. I mean, it's just, it's a little dry, you know, to, yeah. to explain stuff, but it's yeah. fine. But it's a lot of fun if you actually see it in action. So, um, I'm going to read a story here called Back in the Bottle, and, uh, then I'm going to break this down for you so that you can see how this story contains culture very, very lightly and how I've used it. All right. So with that said, 
back in the bottle. I dropped the bottle where she'd be. I'm allowed to give it a shimmer. Nothing fancier than that. No sounds, no fireworks, no obvious magic. Nevertheless, she noticed it and put it in her basket. The shopkeep rang up her purchases. I was on my way to a new home. This time, I was ready. After eons of captivity, I had the plan to end my pain and the world with it. All I needed was an innocent, a young, vulnerable woman. Once home, she got out a cleaning cloth and a toothbrush and started scrubbing my dirty bottle. I let her work for a while before I sent out the obligatory cloud of blue-green smoke and materialized into the middle of it. Problem with a dirty bottle is that you can't see outside of it. I'd thought from the murky outlines that she was young and pretty. No. Late 50s. Lot of plastic surgery. Not good. You get three wishes, I said, and she didn't even have to hesitate. It was like she'd spent her life planning for this moment. Not good. Not good. I want to be a gorgeous, green-eyed, auburn-haired, 21-year-old woman with a flawless figure and beauty that never goes away. I gave her that and started to say there are some rules, but she cut me off with her second wish. I want to live happily in luxury in my own home in a great neighborhood surrounded by friends and admirers for as long as time exists. Nothing I could work with in that one either. Damn older women. I waited. She was looking around the inside of her house, a big smile on her face, and she caught sight of her own reflection in a mirror, and her grin became a breathtaking smile. Dogs, I thought. Make it dogs. I can destroy the universe with dogs. Cookies. Diamonds. Come on. I'm fluffy bunnies. Work with me here, bitch. You get one more wish, I said, if she left me any room at all. Any single failure to pinpoint a detail, the universe was a goner and I would be. She was looking directly at me, eyes suddenly narrowed. Anything, I thought. Any loophole. Her smile turned cunning. Good. They're never as cunning as they think they are. I wish, she said, and I could see her thinking it through, that you were the man I've always dreamed of. All hope died. Freedom died. Escape? Deader than Methuselah with his pathetic live-about-a-thousand-years wish. In that instant, I became a muscle-bound, workaholic, business-owning, gutter-cleaning, lawn-mowing, bag-carrying, never-watch-sports-ever, always-understanding, be-the-butt-of-her-friend's-jokes, studly-when-she-wants-it, cried-at-stupid-movies-woman-with-a-dick. It was the hell wish. She was untouchable. She's going to live damn near forever. And me, 200 years in, screw ending the universe. I just want to go home. And the twist in that, of course, is the title, Back in the Bottle. Yeah. Yeah. I, I okay. like the way that you pulled the back in the bottle from... For, for that with the story, yeah. <laughs> so, 
Okay, so what's the culture there? Let's take a look. We have two villains, and one villain saves the world. But that's, that's the, the conflict. The first villain is this ancient creature who has been trapped inside of a bottle for a very long time and who finally was in a position to get the bottle noticed and just knew who he wanted to find it, so had been holding off until the person that he wanted to find it came along, some innocent young woman who would not consider what she was wishing for and would make just, just one stupid wish. He only needed one. Then the other one is a, she's still a villain. You know, she, she is kind of manipulative. She's kind of cruel. Um, but, and, you and know, her dream guy is somebody without like a personality or somebody right. that she can actually be friends with. It's just, it sounds like it's her errand boy. Um, yeah. And you know, she sex slave. Wanted, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. You know, she wasn't looking for a guy to be her best friend and companion. She and and, you know, she she got exactly what she wanted, and and she saved the world by being a bitch. And you know, she didn't well, know that, and nobody no, else knows that. She, she saved the world by being very <laughs> like. I don't know. It's it's kind of there's parts of her that you can relate to though. Yeah. And, well, yeah. You know, everybody wants to. Well, not everybody, but most people would like to live much longer than our mm -hmm. lifespans. Most people mm -hmm. would like to be, you know, attractive if, to whatever their own, you know, their personal standards. Yeah, their personal standards. Yeah. They want to, you know, age and age without having to worry about chin hairs or, you know. <laughs> weight that's hard to get rid of and they want you know luxury would be nice it i i mean hell i i just want to be able to pay all the bills and and have some money and savings and maybe go to, on vacation once a year that would be luxury for me but luxury you know everybody has this side of them where they want these things so i i mean i kind of see it a little bit differently <laughs> but i don't it doesn't necessarily make me like her no, she, she is not a likable character. She, you know, but she and her choice of a male is a very, very unlikable choice. Well, it's very telling but, that she, she just wants this this thing that's going to do the honey-do list all the time and, yeah. you know, serve only, her. Yeah, serve her yeah. And, and only have, you know, like only want the r romance of the relationship or sex when, when she wants it. And, and just, you know, it's uh, funny enough. I, I think that that what she wants is kind of what Disney portrays in many ways, not, not to shit on Disney, but it's just kind of what society tells so many people in, in so many romance movies, what guys should be like, which is kind of why oh, I like God. when Harry met Sally so much is because, you know, he's, Billy Crystal is not any of that stuff. <laughs> he isn't. <clears throat> he isn't. And that's what made it one of those lasting true romance novel, romance stories for me. Yeah. Is that they found what they genuinely needed in each other, mm -hmm. in spite of the fact that neither one of them was a perfect character. Yeah. And I, I, and that's what I like, but that's getting 
I know that's getting a little bit aside, but I just see the story (laughs) slightly different than you, which is a good point because different people take different things from what you've written. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. And you can never guarantee that any single person is going to read the story the way you hope they're going to read it. And you are going to piss off some people with the story while you make fans of others. And this is 100% of the time. Not everybody is going to like what you write. Yeah. But I, I always thought of that one as she was just smarter than him. You know, maybe she was a little self absorbed, but I never saw her as a villain. I just saw her as someone that society had kind of started to ignore because she's Mm -hmm. an older woman and, you know, society maintains their visual on youth. Yeah, yeah, women disappear as they get older. Yeah, yeah. Men, men, as long as they age well, don't. But Mm -hmm. women, doesn't matter. Helen Mirren is is a very, very rare uh, kind of example of a woman who doesn't disappear. And I'm sure she's worked hard for that. But... To me, the story was about this woman who was cast aside by society and got this this genie in a bottle and said, fuck it, I'll get everything I need back. <laughs> and maybe, you don't know, maybe she's been through so many divorces and she doesn't want... <laughs> she she finally got tired of the guys and she's like, fine, I'm, I'm going to get exactly what I wanted. Exactly <laughs> everything that none of those guys were. So, yeah, that's true. In 500 words, you really don't have room for backstory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's the cool thing, though, is that you wrote it as two villains versus each other. And I got it as she's, she, again, she's not necessarily a hero. She's kind of like an anti-hero, maybe. But she's a woman that got tired to me, a woman that got tired of society just, you know, saying, oh, you're older, fuck you. And, and said, you know what? I'm getting everything I fucking want. Fuck everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's... Well, yeah, I, I just kind of liked the concept of villain versus villain where villain saves the world. I thought that was a pretty neat yeah. little, little thing there. But, yeah, you know, I can see it your way, too. Villain versus anti-hero where anti-hero saves the world. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is ironic considering the world is what pisses her off in, in my, my taking of it, you know, that, yes. that she ends up saving everybody that has treated her so badly, but <laughs> yes, she gets what she wants. So what's the the next point or the next story? Okay, well, uh, do you want to do yours now? Um, yeah, okay. So mine, again, I have to let you guys know, it's, it's over 500 words. It is a rough draft. Um, and... I, I don't know that the the point has quite gotten across yet, but I do think there is some culture in here, and it's also um, another ZZ story. So if you guys would... I don't know if, if all of you guys would remember, but we had a couple of episodes where we were doing culture building, world building, um, and I was using my gremlins, and when we did the language building, I created a character named ZZ, and I wrote... Uh, how Zizi got his gaudy back or something. And that mm-hmm. one I ended up sharing. That one was the one where he <laughs> how um, he ended up going into a house and uh, there was a cat and he just really wanted to pet the cat, which I feel really bad. I have to fix it to where he actually gets to touch the fucking cat because everybody, everybody that heard that story said they felt bad oh. for him for not being able to, to yeah. touch the cat. Exactly. But, yeah. Basically, he um, 
he he in that story he learned that mirrors he he in his mind the clothing that they wore specifically to protect them from mirrors did not work so he just started wearing whatever the hell he wanted but that was that was a different story so this one is um uh, it's not really titled i put missing but that's not really the title yeah well you basically get your title after you write the ending yeah when you yeah. and i've i've written it but I, okay i'll just i'll just read it okay there was someone new in Dee's house. Zizi held on to the fence with a strong grip, his foot in the hole she'd made for him. Tears welled at the sight of lights. He snarled, missing her, hating whoever lived there now. Now, in the grass, he froze at a deep, low growling. Oh boy. He'd somehow missed the dog. Inky fur shining in fingernail moonlight. He'd been lost in grief. A shout, the growling ceased and the dog's head turned. Then it found its way back, black eyes, angry, but now hesitant. Dane! This time the dog left. Zizi had hoped he could go inside and get the things Dee had told him he could have. Some tokens and whatever fabrics he, she'd left unused. They'd both assumed it would be decades yet. Now it would be all he had of her. He smiled, watching the human half-drag the dog inside, not understanding. Her body quivering, her barks and struggles, all failing to communicate they were not alone. Zizi inched along, watching the lights go on and off in the home until just two bedroom lights glowed. He wasn't used to having humans around. Dier diurnal creatures, sure, but most feared the night and lived through rough accordances to the time laws of the sun. He wanted to sit on the bench next to the pond, but he was too raw. Without Dee's warmth, it was just cold stone. In the front was an old truck and a motorcycle. He made a mental note next time parts were designated on the volunteer sheet. He'd take pleasure in removing them. For now, he settled on walking around the bike, finding the half-exposed battery cable and pulling his multi-tool from his pocket. The bike, a hair taller than him, kept him concealed. It took just seconds to snip the line. Multi-tool back in his pocket, he sat down on the ground, wondering if he could leave a smelly gift here instead of the pile house. They were doing a focus drop tonight. Volunteers would be relieving themselves on the property all night long. <laughs> Sorry. Dick Pyle had been putting up cameras all over town to catch the petty criminals and ones in his neighborhood to locate the, the dog and owner responsible in his area for the nasty litter. This had made it far harder for the Katazi to get their tasks done, so a band of them had decided to shit on his lawn. <laughs> they only regretted there was no way to see the surprise on his face come morning light. Zizi just couldn't find it in his heart to go, however, and felt his body shake with a repressed sob. No one knew about D so he grieved alone. His long ears drooped and his head fell, eyes seeing her face, even if they were pointing at the asphalt. You are my friend, he spoke in English as best he could. You look out for me. Now you are gone. He sobbed again. No, Zizi. He looked up, his eyes bright with falling tears, his ears perking up at the voice, Dee's voice. 
It wasn't anywhere around, though. It, he sort of felt it. I'm still here. Where? He whispered. Sit by the pond? Oh, Zizi. Terrible sadness in her voice underscored his own pain. No, sweet little guy. I am dead. He felt another sob, his eyes hurt, his nose and throat stinging. But I'll be here for a while yet. I miss you, he whispered, barely able to speak. An odd sensation flooded over him. He stopped crying and sat, warm, feeling bright inside, like his whole body had lit up with joy. It started to fade, but did so slowly. A rare gift to give, Zizi. That is my love for you, for our friendship. Now go. You have things to do, as do I. But I'll be here. I'll make sure to say goodbye when I leave this time. He hadn't felt her presence arrive, but he immediately felt the lack of it. He stood and opened his mouth to call out, to beg her to stay and sit on the bench with him, talk with him. But she had things to do, and so did he. So, wow. <laughs> um, that one, I had already had a basic kind of idea for ZZ, and and this is um, this is the Glass Brothers house, and D is um the one brother's aunt. Right. Uh, Dane is is the dog that I wrote uh, using shiny as the. Um, example, but I had a basic idea of him going to fuck with the, <laughs> with them with, because that was Dee's house and I didn't realize he had a friendship with her, but I, uh, it changed after Kristen died, my friend. Yeah. Um, and I, I wrote this right after she had died. Mm -hmm. So it, it just, I don't know how, but it helped. Um, I think that there is a decent amount of little tiny hints at culture in there yeah yeah i i got teary-eyed listening to the story by the way oh uh, that was really good um yeah and i don't know that you want to cut it to 500 words i mean if you're going to put it in a flash fiction collection sure but you know i don't know that you even need to do that because that's uh really solid as it stands oh thank you yeah i was thinking about putting it in just um just cutting out like the the part with the motorcycle and the pooping, but I really liked those part Leave parts. That. Okay, yeah. So I'll just put it in a short story <clears throat> compilation then. Yeah. Because I really like the pooping. And also it does give you some culture in there. Yes, and it gives you a little bit of levity too. <clears throat> yes, which it, that's that's the thing that makes the, the, the teary-eyedness a lot stronger is yeah. the fact that you just finished laughing. Yeah, that's that's and definitely a Joss Whedon thing too. That he's really, really fucking good at. Yeah, yeah, is that you go from this moment of laughter to this moment of pain. Yeah, and it's a sharp, clear thing. But, but okay, so let's look at the culture there, um, which with things like um, going and pooping on somebody's lawn as a as a vengeance thing. Yes. Um, that's a fascinating little bit of culture. Yes. <laughs> yes. And also the fact there's subtle hints in there too. Like the fact that it says that, that this one dude poured Dick Pyle 
<laughs> who, who I didn't realize pile, you know, and he's going to have a bunch of piles in his, yeah, I might have to change that. But he put up all of these cameras all over town to help catch the petty criminals. Well, the Katazi are the petty, petty criminals for the most part. The gremlins are going around like, like it's hinted at here about the bike and the truck. If there are mm -hmm. parts posted on the volunteer sheet in the Katazi underground, mm -hmm. he will sign up for that and come back and steal the parts from the Glass Brothers because, you know, they took over Dee's house. He doesn't know. Right. You know, Dee died. That was his only human friend. It was his best friend in the world. And she's gone. And they don't, they don't have the same culture that that we do so he doesn't right. get it the uh, Wait, that she's gone or well yeah because their their concept of death is after basically like just hundreds of years and she yeah. was so young she was only yeah she was she was very young i don't remember the age but also when he asked her to go sit on the stone you know like can we go sit on the stone go sit on the stone that's that's what really got me all teary-eyed <laughs> yeah but that's another hint that he doesn't understand right and that that too is a cultural thing that if you have a a, a people who is very long-lived their take on death is going to be different when dealing with a very short-lived by comparison people yeah yeah there's um just subtle hints at what he is too which gives you the idea that he's not used to the rest of of that his culture is different you know because he's so short long ears doesn't know yeah, english that's the first time i ever ever caught the long ears thing yeah i i learned from the the other part i learned from messing up in in the other thing giving too much of a description of him and mm -hmm. how to put it in there in an action you know yeah. like the bike was a hair taller than him so he was concealed his ears drooped as he looked down. Yes. You know. Yes, that was very nicely done. I'm learning. <laughs> Even still. Um, always. Yes. <laughs> always. always. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there was... Um, I, I liked the the pooping thing. I liked... <laughs> they were... And, and of course, it, it doesn't just... There's no way to really put this in there, but if you're reading the entire story compilation, then you'll get it. The cameras are not just, oh shit, they, they, they'll be able to tell it's us. It is basically an act of war to the Kasazi because the cameras to them represent the witches that can control them, that they believe in, that are, mm -hmm. are not real. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so some of it you'll have to read the entire compilation to understand and get the cultural references. But I did feel like, that one had more of a cultural thing than a world building thing it was to me it was just more culture based yes yes and, and this this friendship between two people of completely different species was truly beautiful and that is a cultural Aww. thing too yeah that, that that creatures who are utterly different from each other not just just people who are different races or different colors but creatures mm -hmm. who are utterly different from each other can have these same bonds of love and compassion and and i love that i think well, that's wonderful zizi is is a rarity because the rest of the the katazi for the most part shun humans and mm -hmm. 
Dee was also a very rare human to to know all of the sides of Fulton County and Standing River, which is where this takes place. And she taught him English and very slowly and with patience. <laughs> um, he there's a hint in there about that is that no one else knew about D kind of hinting at the fact that he couldn't tell anybody that he had a human friend. So he grieved yeah. alone. He was, yeah, you know, he couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very nice cultural point too. Yeah. I, I yeah. just, I'm glad that you think that it's strong enough as it is because I really didn't want to have to cut it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, no, that's got things in there that it would be it would be a tragic loss. Yeah, to lose. I love the <laughs> fact that poop would be a tragic loss to lose. <laughs> Sweet, I did well. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so this next story um, has culture, but it's it's a lighter version of culture. Uh, but I want to. Contrast that with, you know, your very heavy culture in yours Mm -hmm. and with the pretty heavy culture in Back in the Bottle, just to show that culture does not necessarily have to be a huge part of the story, but it does have to be in there. And it doesn't have to be something strange and unique and and otherworldly. Right, right, exactly. Okay, so with that, uh, I'm going to give you this next story, which is titled Reflected. Monday. I stare at myself in the mirror. I smooth the rage from my face. He's gone again, slammed the door, walked away, but that's all right. He can't get anyone else like me. He'll be back. He always comes back. And when he comes back, he'll pay. Tuesday. He's staying at Mike's, sleeping on the couch. I don't like Mike. Mike's been trying to talk him out of me for a long time. But Mike can't compete. I'm hot. I'm blonde. Men ask me all the time if they saw me on the cover of Playboy. He'll be back. Friday. He's flirting with that bitch he works with. She's short. She's dumpy. She's laughing at one of his stupid jokes. I'm going to kill him. He's mine. No. I'm going to kill her. Monday. Can't hear what he's saying, but the binoculars... Give me a good look at his face. He's shocked. They all are. They've heard about her suicide. She was easy. All I did was talk to her, tell her what she was, that she'd never be anything more. Now she's not anything. He'll come back. Sunday. He's off Mike's couch. He's rented his own place. He's not coming back. That bastard isn't coming back. Saturday morning. I found a woman who knows how to summon vengeance. From her, I bought a full-length mirror. I can summon my other self from the mirror, and then I can be seen with beautiful people in public places. Meanwhile, my other self can kill him in front of his parents, and I'll be on surveillance tapes at the exact time of the murder in public, being adored, proving that I've moved on, that he meant nothing to me. And he'll be dead. He's with his family right now. This is going to kill his mother. Good. Two for one. 
Saturday night. It's time. The woman says my other self knows everything I know. I don't have to explain anything. So I follow instructions. I have my party clothes laid out on the bed. I strip out of the clothes my other self is going to wear, fold them, put them on the chair, lay the knife she'll kill him with on top of them. Then I stare into my own eyes, press my body against the cool glass of the mirror, stay that way until the glass disappears and my skin touches my skin. Other self pushes against me, stepping from the mirror. I smile. She smiles. She walks to the chair. God, I'm gorgeous. She picks up the knife, turns, whispers, I can't stand you. Later Saturday night, he can't look away from my face. You look like her, but you're not her. It's the little things. Your hair is parted on the other side. That little mole is on your other cheek. You look kind. I'm not surprised she never mentioned me. She and I hated each other, but she's gone now. And I've loved you from afar for so long. All right. <laughs> so the culture in that is, it's small. It is really small. It is simply demonstrating a couple of things like, okay, let me, I lost my page here. I mean, there's a certain culture to stalkers. Yeah, well, <laughs> there is a certain culture to stalkers, but it isn't it isn't even so much that. It's a mention of Playboy. Mm -hmm. um, it is that she is this woman who sees herself as this sort of um, goddess worshipped by all men, which was the objective of Playboy was to to show women as these uh, spectacular, gorgeous attainable objects. It has uh, a thing in here about uh, a guy sleeping on a couch. That's, that is a cultural thing in that um, there are a lot of cultures that uh, if there's a problem between the man and the woman, the man does not sleep on a couch. They, they do not have that sort of a relationship. Um, and that's really pretty much it. So what, what we're looking at here is the, the culture of two different kinds of women and the title of reflected, where the reflection is the opposite of the other person. And so it's this one woman had two different sides. Yeah. And she got rid of the side she didn't like and came back as the other side. Yeah. You know, flipped in reverse. So so she can't be, you know, accused of, of anything. But Well the uh, I liked the um the idea of it like you're talking about the culture of beautiful woman used to getting exactly what she wanted, used to being, you know, manipulative enough to, to take what she wanted and expect it to come back to her after abusing it and and right. there I also liked the idea that there was this kindness within her the entire time because it, it is 
the other half. It is the other part of right. her. It is her other self. So all of that was possible. And there's mm -hmm. just this really cool message in there that you could be either one. Yeah, that she you know? chose. Yeah. She chose twice. <laughs> the yeah. first time really badly. Yeah, the, yeah. but I, do, I just, the fact that she was choosing this and the better part of her still did an evil act to to fix it but again you know she did murder somebody too well yes. it's murder by suicide but still right yeah right but yeah yeah she was she was solely responsible for that so yeah you know um and for the stalking and the creepiness and, yeah yeah and yeah. the abuse and whatever she did to and the, the guy abuse and yeah. yeah so you know but she had this other part of herself other than the magic part i think that the culture in that one was very um it, it was more taking a piece of the culture that is out there now you know it's it's so uh what were the other points for culture or was that it before the takeaway? Um, yeah, I think that pretty much has it. Okay. It's a very small thing. Culture is a small thing in in a flash fiction story. Yeah, well, it, I think <laughs> yeah. that it adds it adds a lot of depth, and it adds it just, just by being very small, it adds rereadability, <laughs> it, and yeah. it adds a lot of um, personality and. And again, depth. So um, before we get to the takeaway, I just want you guys to remember, uh, submit your Halloween stories to the, uh, the uh, it's show at alonewithinvisiblepeople.com, but I will put a link in the show notes. I will put a link on the Podbean uh, description. Please, please just go read the rules first because I've had a submission that did not follow the rules already. And I understand, like, hey, you maybe you've done this before, and maybe you did or didn't get in, and you didn't think about having to read the rules, but the rules sometimes <laughs> change. So just go read it as a refresher and submit your Halloween story by October 1st. I'm really, really looking forward to reading as many of these as possible. If you can oh, get it too. in early... If there's any issue whatsoever with it, we can look it over, let you know, and then you can have time to resubmit. Because, yeah. again, we, we don't want to reject anything. If something gets rejected, we will tell you why, and then you can resubmit. Yeah, and sometimes the issues are really small. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're really small and very fixable. And, you know, if we can see a fix for you, we'll, we'll say what it is. Yeah. Yeah, one of the stories submitted was uh, had a really good premise, had really good visuals, but it was it, it didn't seem to have been revised or given to somebody else to take a look at and go over and 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 you know because if if you're so close to something and then you give it to somebody else, they're not going to have that closeness and they're going to be able to point out things. They're going to be able to to see the things that you're missing. So. Honestly, I'm hoping that that one comes back. I can't control what people do. So if you get a rejection, please don't take it personally. Please understand that we just want to make, help you make your stuff better and fit the podcast Halloween episode. We are definitely eager for you to resubmit. 
and use this episode and next week's episode to help you kind of add a little bit of depth to your Halloween stories if you haven't already. So Holly, what is the takeaway for today? Okay, Um, culture is a living thing that provides your characters with a code for how they deal with opposition. And in every single one of these three examples, um, you have seen culture, the living part of culture in how characters, the, the antagonist and the protagonist or the two protagonists or the two antagonists deal with each other. And in the choices that they make and in the expectations that the reader will have, um, this is how they deal with opposition. And what you want to do is you want to figure out who they are and then make them live with the consequences of their actions. That is culture. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. In 500 words anyway, that is culture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a big difference between 500 words and then like 100,000 words or... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. We love you guys. Uh, we can't wait to do the next episode and to get more of your stories in. Again, send them in as early as you can so that we can get them back to you. Holly? Yes, and, and just a quick note uh, before the last thing is that world building uh, for very short stories is what we're doing next. Um, and with that said, thank you for listening. You guys are awesome. It is, it is entirely possible to live your dreams. It is entirely possible to imagine this thing that you want to do and then do it. It takes work, but it's not impossible. It, it, it is a joyous process if you let it be. Um, so, you know, do that. Take a chance on yourself and believe in yourself. You can do this. 